bombshell, the Supreme Court poised to strike down Roe versus Wade. That, according to an unprecedented leak of the justice's draft opinion overnight, a decision would alter the nationwide battle over abortion. The Supreme Court has voted to overturn abortion rights. This according to a leaked Supreme Court draft opinion published Monday night by Politico. For the past 50 years, ever since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade, women in America have had the right to choose whether or not to have an abortion. And now it looks like that right is going away. The headline at Politico.com right now, just breaking in the last few minutes, is this. United States Supreme Court has voted to overturn abortion rights, draft opinion shows. According to an initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito, circulated inside the court and obtained by Politico, the Supreme Court has voted to strike down the landmark Roe v. Wade decision. The draft opinion is a full-throated, unflinching repudiation of the 1973 decision, which guaranteed federal constitutional protections of abortion rights. Welcome to our podcast, Living at the Margins. This week's episode is called, Are We Going Back in Time? Analyzing Roe v. Wade with Jennifer and Sophia. Today, we will be debating whether we are going back in time with the recent announcement of the possible overturn of Roe v. Wade. For those who might not be aware, Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973, and it was a landmark decision of the U.S. Supreme Court in which the court ruled that the Constitution of the United States protects a pregnant woman's liberty to choose to have an abortion without excessive government restriction. So Jennifer, what was your initial reaction? I was outraged. How is it that we claim to be equal and provide a safe space for women? Yet one of the most important cases advocating for women's ability to have control over their own bodies is being threatened. What was your reaction, Sophia? Honestly, I was confused. It was hard for me to believe that it was true because I didn't think a world without Roe v. Wade would exist. It's strange to fathom that this is something we still have to argue and fight for. We're in a line like social movements class together, and we have had extensive, extensive discussions. I think a discussion that is relevant to our episode today relates to spe- respectability politics and the role that women play through Republican motherhood. Oh, yeah, I remember. It was in the book Redeeming La Raza, Transborder Modernity, Race, Respectability, and Rights. The author was Gabriela Gonzalez. She mentioned how women would have worked alongside men in struggles of racial discrimination, but gender inequalities within these civil rights projects existed. Because women would gravitate towards advocating for social positions and redeeming their cultural backgrounds, while men focused on social standings and maintaining the patriarchy. Yeah, isn't it interesting that women in this era saw their roles as caretakers and mothers? I find it admirable that they use these platforms to join political movements. I think it was common to embrace the idea of Republican motherhood and allow women to enter spaces otherwise restricted to them because of their ability to advocate for their domestic roles. Well, also in this time period, around the 1900s to 1950s, there's an emphasis by middle-class Mexico-Tejanos on an ideal female domesticity and male breadwinners. It was a common belief in the middle class that husbands competed and earned the family's living, and the wives maintained the family home and raised their children. So we just had a brief discussion on women's roles in the past. But I find it ironic that today, the arguments for overturning Roe v. Wade sound pretty similar to female domesticity and Republican motherhood. In the past, women had little choice on whether or not they could choose to engage in motherhood. It was often the only choice they had, and today, 
The decision to overturn Roe v. Wade sounds like the government taking back a woman's ability to choose and forcing them to have to take on this domestic and maternal role. Honestly, I completely agree. I thought we had moved past this kind of mentality. We went through a radicalization period and organization like the Young Lords emerged and were created to eventually give space for women to reach positions of power in the organization. Because the Young Lords were in support of radical feminism and thus would have been in support of Roe v. Wade. I'm so glad you brought them up. When I first learned about their story, it gave me hope that we could change our world through political action. But as you mentioned, the Young Lords really approach radicalism in a new way. They tackle actionable items like the garbage offensive, the lead offensive, the church offensive, and the Lincoln Hospital offensive. As specific to our discussion, though, they cared about providing medical health access and allowing women to take leadership positions. The Young Lords sound like an amazing organization, and I wish they wouldn't have been dismantled because I would have loved to join them. Don't we all want to join them? <laughs> but if we were to travel back in time, what was access to medical care for women who wanted to proceed with an abortion in the past? Well, the access to medical care for women was very limited. I remember Johanna Fernandez in the book The Young Lord, A Radical History, mentioning how women in East Harlem were more likely to receive late natal care, and oftentimes none at all, and would give birth to lower weight babies. Fernandez also shares a very compelling story in her book about a young Puerto Rican woman, Carmen Rodriguez, who died in July 1979 at the Lincoln Hospital following an abortion procedure. The abortion procedure was performed by an inexperienced and overworked medical intern. Also, the hospital did not have adequate resources. Even if her abortion was legal, she still died. Mm. That's such an event impactful event. Was there a change to how the young lords engaged with medical health and empowering women following her death? Well, due to the increase in female leadership in the organization, it led to the production of one of the most lucid public documents in the young lords' history, the position paper on women. They were able to emphasize the distinct experience of poor women of color and their historically rag- radicalized roles as both cheap labor and sexual objects. The women of the Young Lords argued that because of poverty, even legal abortions are unsafe. The death of Carmen could have been prevented if the hospital had been provided with better resources. And Fernandez also highlights how the paper critiqued the social expectation that Puerto Rican wives be pure and virginia at marriage, have children to enhance, uh, enhance Puerto Ricans' men's self-concept of virility, and maintain the family name and honor. The document also condemned the state-sponsored campaign of forced sterilization among Puerto Rican women. Sterilization of women was one of the many consequences of Operation Bootstrap. It is also important to acknowledge that the Young Lords took a lot of their ideas from the Cuban health system. Fernandez also highlights influential women like Gloria Fontanes. She was part of the networks of young workers who had been organizing at the Governor Hospital on the Lower East Side. She, young, she joined the Young Lords where she met Gleo Silvers, and together they founded the Health Revolutionary Unity Movement. Together, they were able to advocate for fair wages for women in health care. These are women whose work is being disregarded by the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Overall, looking at both the Young Lords and the Gente Decente, we see a shift in how women were perceived. From the 1900s to the 1950s, women were considered to be important in the domestic sphere. They were empowered to be home takers and individuals who nourish children. But as we shift and study organizations like the Young Lords, 
we can understand a change in mentality. The young lords were raised in a radical time and really had to combat to have the resources for their communities. Today, a lot of the progress made is being dismantled. Instead of moving forward and pushing the envelope as the young lords did, the overturn of Roe v. Wade is like going back to a time when women could not choose for themselves. It's like going back to the hint decente in respectability politics for women. Yeah, I agree. It is also important to acknowledge that Roe v. Wade was passed during a period when the young lords were at their peak and women were rising in positions of power. By overturning this decision, it is discrediting and going against the work of activists who advocated for women's rights. Instead, it shows how we are going back to a period with women were continuously had to fight for basic rights, their health is being put at risk, and their choices and control over their own bodies is being stripped away. On a more present note, the overturn of Roe v. Wade also more directly affects women of color who might not be able to access the resources they need. I recently read in a New York Times article that 33.6 million women were at risk of losing access to abortion. This figures and the threat of not having constitutional protections given by Roe v. Wade are really threatening. It's still very shocking to see how our society is repeating history and transgressing the progress we have made. But we are hopeful that our generation steps up to hold institutions accountable. So while Roe v. Wade is threatened, we must continue to build coalitions and work towards social progress. I completely agree. It is a very scary time to be a woman. But we have had amazing organizations like the Young Lords, who will go down in history as one of the most innovative and empowering organizations because of their ability to truly meet the community's needs. They build a foundation for how grassroots movements can organize. I agree. Let's stay hopeful. And thank you everyone for listening to our podcast. To learn more, please consider taking classes by Professor Mireya Losa at Georgetown University. We are your hosts, Sophia and Jennifer. And this is Living at the Margins podcast, presenting the Are We Going Back in Time? Analyzing Roe v. Wade episode. Stay tuned for new episodes. Thank you.